And now, back to David Spada and Elliot Harris for more sports and torts on TalkZone.com. Now, here's a guy who I like just because he spells his name Elliot with two L's and two T's, even if it's his last name. But Bump Elliot was a, a standout player uh, in the 40s at Purdue in Michigan, went on to a, a coaching career at Michigan, among other stops along the way. Uh, athletic director at Iowa. He is 88 years old. He will be 89 on January 30. And I think David and I had a very good interview with him. You guys take it in and let us know. Here's Bump Elliott. I see that you were a successful football player in college at Purdue and Michigan. How did you end up choosing Purdue for college? Well, I was sent there in the Marine Corps in the V-12 program. And fortunately, I was sent with a group of people from Illinois like Alex Agassi and Tony Butkovich and people like that, that uh, and Joe Bashami and Frank Bauman, they all were from Illinois, and they were sent over to uh, Purdue, and uh, fortunately, I was sent there too. I was just graduating out of high school, and so I, I uh, got to play on the 1943 uh, team that won the Big Ten Championship. But in a perfect world, you would have gone to the University of Illinois because you were at Bloomington. Well, my home, my home was Bloomington, but because of the war, their, uh, the recruiting system wasn't even in, in effect very much. Everybody just went where they were told to go and, or signed up and went into war, whatever it was. So I, I was in the, I signed up in the Marine Corps. Was it going to be a package deal? Whatever college got you, they would get your brother. Or Not necessarily. First. Again, uh, the recruiting setup was uh, just um, uh, well. It wasn't. There wasn't much recruiting at that time because, in, unless they were four uh, F and not qualify for the service, why everything was all up to what your reserve status or status was, and and uh, so there was no recruiting. I I wasn't recruited out of high school even. Wait a second. You, you won the Chicago Tribune Silver f- Football uh, in college, right? But, but uh, in the high well, schools, uh, yeah, <laughs> high schools did, did they? The colleges well, didn't pay pay attention. Well, the the fact is that they knew that I had signed up in the Marine Corps Reserve, and there was no reason to recruit because I, uh, I wasn't in. I didn't know where I was going to go when I signed up into the Reserve, and they. Created the V-12 program, which was a, a pre-officer training type thing. They created that uh, during the war, and they and I was in the service actually in '43 after I graduated from high school and went to Purdue University by, because I was sent there in the Marine Corps. I see that your freshman year at Purdue, you had a varsity letter in football, basketball, and baseball. That's correct. Did you have a favorite sport? Oh, I suppose football was, uh, uh, yeah, I, I guess so. Although I did like baseball very much too. I wasn't, I wasn't a great basketball player. I could guard people, but I couldn't shoot too well. <laughs> now, now your brother Pete was a pretty good golfer though. Well, he was. And, and incidentally, you know, Pete is the only, 12 letter winner in the history of the University of Michigan. He won three letters in all four years that he was there. 
And so he's the only man in the history of the university to win 12 letters. So were you any good at golf? Or, or, or did he make you caddy just, for him? Just mediocre. I should have been caddying for him most of the time. <laughs> no, I, I, I like to play, but was nowhere near the skill that Pete had or many others had. And um, so it was fun. What was it like being on that 43 Purdue team when you went undefeated? Well, it was really something else. I, you know, Tony Butkovich was broke the Big Ten scoring record in six games, and he was at fullback. And after the Wisconsin game, he was sent to Paris Island, South Carolina, in November. And so I got to play after that for Tony in uh, at uh, Minnesota and Indiana. And uh, I played in three games: Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Indiana. But I got to start in the uh, Minnesota and Indiana games, and, and we finished the season undefeated. We had Tony Butkovich, Mike Cassip, uh, John Guinness, Frank Ballman, Joe Bashami, and Alex Agassi, all from the University of Illinois, plus, plus Tony Butkovich. That's pretty good. <laughs> not, not bad. And, and you were a great team. But, and and you were, you were a burly 5'10", 160-pounder, right? Well, soaking wet, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you got to be tough <laughs> and big. Yeah. So I was, I was kind of a skinny little guy that ran away from everybody if I could. <laughs> and, you, and you went both ways. You played defense, too. Yeah, I did. I played both ways. played uh, defensive uh, halfback and also uh, – started as a as a right halfback and then after you got out of the military you uh joined pete at michigan that's correct he had been sent to michigan in the v12 and and the war ended and so he stayed right there and when i got out of the service after i was in china for a year in marine corps when i got back from there i joined him at michigan and it was just my decision all the way to to see if I could join him up there, and it worked out. I would assume the coaches would welcome you with open arms. Well, you know, they had so many players in. I, they really did have – they had letter winners uh, from two and three and four teams in most every position. And they, they when I went to uh, Michigan, they put me at right halfback, and – I was fifth string right halfback when the season started. So, uh, uh, but I did get to play some defense then and, and got to work into the uh, lineup a little bit more after that. You've got to be the only guy who's played for two undefeated teams from different schools. Yeah, that's true. In the Big Ten, uh, we both, both those teams that I played on were undefeated and uh, won the Big Ten championship. And unfortunately, Notre Dame did the same thing in those years, and they won the national championship. At least Notre Dame thinks so. <laughs> but well, they had Purdue they had people and the Michigan people. They say they won the national championship. <laughs> yeah, the, the Notre Dame people had the better PR department. I think they got more I, of the publicity. I, well, well, they had some pretty good players like Lou Jack and Jonaker and some of those guys too. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> Lou Jack won the Heisman that one year. Yes, he did. In 1947. Uh, okay. okay. What was it like going out to California for the 1948 Rose Bowl? 
Well, it was um, a really great experience. Uh, we hadn't been there before, and it, uh, you know, they uh, they do a very good job of taking care of the uh, entertainment and all the activities and so forth. We were out there almost two weeks because we needed uh, practice time, and uh, it was fun. Some, we met some great people out there and some great friends, and and uh, being in the Rose Bowl is about as big as ever I could think of as far as college football is concerned. Yeah. We didn't I mean, have I, a playoff then, of course. Right. I don't think people have an appreciation of for what the bowl system used to be, and the Rose Bowl would be the – Big Ten I, champ against the Pac-8 champ. I agree, I agree with you. They think that the national championship game is the most important thing. And uh, in my opinion, it was playing in the Rose Bowl because that meant you won the Big Ten championship and you were playing for your conference, and uh, that was that was big. That was really big. And they still call it the granddaddy of them all. Yeah, it was the first one. It was started way back in, uh, what, 01 or something. <laughs> I don't know how long ago. So who got the better girls, the quarterback, who was your brother, or you? Better what? Who got more <laughs> Who got more women? Because I remember Alabama in the bowl, everybody was saying the Alabama quarterback always gets the homecoming queen, the beautiful girl. Yeah, well, that didn't ever enter into it. <laughs> we, we, were, we were very big uh, men on campus as far as the women were concerned. <laughs> now, there, there was kind this, of a question is that? <laughs> a pretty goofy one, but David's yeah. known for asking those goofy yeah, questions. Yeah, okay, that's okay. <laughs> now, you and Pete room together. Yeah. Did, did, you have, did you guys ever get on one another's nerves? No, 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 no. We were close. Been close all of our lives. Uh, the whole family was very close, but Pete and I were very, very close together and had gone to school together, played together in athletics and at the same high school, same then at, then at Michigan. I was only there two years. He was there four years, but, uh, it just was one of those things that, uh, felt natural to be with him somewhere and, and it worked out nicely. He, we, he was, of course, and not only a brother, but a best friend, too. Yeah. You took care of him. I mean, any girl had to get your stamp of approval. No, uh, he, took, he took care of himself. <laughs> <laughs> now, the 49 season when you guys won the Big Ten and, and you defeated Southern Cal 49 nothing in the, the Rose Bowl. That was, was really the 47 season. It was the 47 season, right? Yeah. Was, I thought was that you said the, 49. No, no, the score was 49 to nothing, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, you, you're up by that margin in the Rose Bowl, and you're thinking, how much better are you guys than the rest of the college football world? Because, you know, Southern Cal should be decent, right? Well, they were very good, and uh, it, was, it was one of those games that uh, – uh, we were well prepared. Uh, obviously, our coach, Fritz Kreisler, was one of the great coaches of all time. And uh, he got the team ready like uh, I've never seen anybody prepare a team. And uh, it just seemed like everything we did and, and they did just kind of worked our way. And uh, it was one of those games that happens once in a while. And 
Um, but it was really, really a fun game to play <laughs> on our side of the field. Frank, Frank Gifford told us that when he went to USC, that John Wayne recruited him and was a big supporter. Was John Wayne at that game? I don't know. I can't remember whether he was or not. He might have been. Um, I'm now, trying now to you... think, oh, uh, who was the uh, Grand Marshal? Uh, maybe maybe Arnold Palmer. No. That might have been a I don't know. I can't remember. It, 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 was, it was a while ago. Yeah, anyway, a long time ago. Anyway, you mentioned, you mentioned Fritz, Fritz Chrysler and, yes. and, you know, a lot of people just know Chrysler Arena at, you know, at Michigan. What, what was yeah. he like to play for? Well, he, he would be, if you'd ever want to see a coach who was dignified and uh, kind of like a, a chief, chief executive officer, uh, uh, really, uh, he was a director of football operations and, and, and he, everything he said, we, we hung on every word he said. And, uh, he, he was a believer. He, he was as good a coach as I've ever been associated with. And I've been associated with some pretty good ones like Evashevsky and Hayden Fry and others. But uh, I would say Fritz Kreischer is absolutely the best coach I've ever been with. How did he end up winning the MVP in that game, and not you? I thought Jack Weisenberger was MVP. I was looking. I looked online and saying Bob Champa's got it. Maybe they gave it to the wrong guy. Well, no, I I, <laughs> I can't tell you who, because well, Weisenberger scored three touchdowns in the game. Chapius was a great football player and a great friend, and and he did everything uh, that you wanted to have a tailback do, and a great leader, and everybody loved him and. He was a great player, uh, but I, I really thought that Weisenberger won the most valuable in that game. But they neither here. They both played very well. They were great players. Now that forty-seven season, the toughest game, Illinois, when you guys won forty fourteen to seven. Yeah, I'd say that was probably it. Uh, it was a real tough game, and uh, uh, one of those that really meant everything to both teams, of course, and. And they were very, very good, very good on defense. They had Ruck Steger and some great players. And uh, But we were fortunate enough to get one more touchdown than they did. <laughs> now, you hope to have played another season of college ball in 48, but that, that got turned down. How, to, how did to, you feel? Will you repeat that, please? Yes. You wanted to play another year in 1948 of college oh, ball, yeah. right? Yeah. But you got turned down. Well, the, the, the thought was this, that in the service, service, uh, actual service play really wasn't supposed to count. In the two years I was at Purdue, it was a question of whether I was a serviceman or at Purdue. <laughs> and I played half of the 46, uh, 43 season and half of the 44 season. So in, in total context, I played within one fiscal year. And so the people at Michigan, Ralph Agler, the faculty representative presented that case, the Big Ten, and they declared that I played two years at Purdue. Well, you know, even though I only got to play three games one year and, and uh, six games the next year. So that's okay. That, that, uh, that was, I, they petitioned for another year, and it was turned down. And so 
those things happen. Well, is there a reason that you didn't play in the NFL? Well, um, not necessarily. Uh, I did. I did in the, in the all practice the All Star game. You know, the college All Star game used to be uh, have All Stars and against play against the the pros, and we were going to play against the Chicago Cardinals in uh, Chicago. And uh, in one of the scrimmages we had at Dyke Stadium, uh, I twisted my knee. And so I didn't get to play in that game. And I think that probably was one reason why I didn't pursue uh, professional football after that. I just felt that uh, uh, it wasn't worth it as far as I was concerned. And uh, so that was it. Was there a difficult decision choosing between going into coaching and uh, pondering the possibility of uh, becoming a doctor? Well, you know, as a youngster, I always thought I wanted to be a doctor. But when uh, I was at Michigan, the opportunity came in 1948 to uh, stay with the Michigan team as a grad assistant and help coach. And so I got into it that way. And then in 49, I got a real job as a backfield coach at Oregon State University. And uh, so that's what happened. It, it just kind of fell into place. It not, wasn't planned, but it was. Uh, I had some good breaks. Then how did you get the Michigan job? Well, I was at, uh, assistant coach with uh, Forrest Evyshevsky here at Iowa for three years. And at the end of the third year, uh, Fritz Kreiser called me and asked me to come up and visit with him, and I did. And uh, Benny Osterbahn was the head coach at the time. And I, so I uh, accepted a backfield coaching job at Michigan in, uh, in uh, trying to remember the dates anyway, uh, and was up there two years with Benny as assistant coach. And then Benny retired, and uh, Fritz uh, asked me if I'd like to be the coach, and I said, you bet. <laughs> it wasn't a, a tough a tough choice to make that decision. It took you all of about well, half a second. It wasn't, wasn't too difficult to make that. <laughs> did you enjoy going up against Ohio State and Woody Hayes? Yeah, I did. I uh, I know it was a tough game, but a big game, and and we did win the championship one year, beating uh, Ohio State down there ten to nothing. What took us to the Rose Bowl as a, when I was coaching. Uh, then we had some other games at different scores, but it was always a great game. What was like being on Forrest Debeshevsky's staff? Because you, you you have such legendary coaching names, you know, yeah. as, as part of your history. Well, I think he was one of the better coaches I've ever been associated with, and and Evashevsky had a great background at Michigan as a as a player, and then he coached in in the East at Hamilton College before he went to Michigan State as an assistant, and then he went to Washington State as head coach, and then to Iowa, and I joined him when he came to Iowa from Washington State because I was at Oregon State at the time. And uh, he had uh, as great a imagination and uh, knowledge and sense of timing. And by that, I mean he had a great thought of when to do things and how to do them 
like I can't believe anybody could. He he would do things that were very unorthodox, but very timely and made a big difference in as far as the success. And he was a great coach here at, at the University of Iowa, and um, and uh, I was sorry when he. Uh, decided to become an athletic director rather than a coach because I thought that's where he should be. Not that he wasn't a good athletic director. I just mean that he was such a great coach. What was it like coaching against your brother when he was in Illinois? Well, it was a, a difficult thing only from the point of view that if you felt you were coaching directly against Pete, which I didn't, it was our team against their team, our players against their players. And so if you look at it that way, why you want to get your team ready to play to play against their players. And I will say this, though, that when we played in 19, uh, uh, the year that he went to the Rose Bowl, the year they won, the only game they lost that year was to Michigan. And uh, I have to admit that after that game, I felt that was maybe one game that I maybe wish we had lost. <laughs> I, I didn't quite feel that, but... Uh, it was one of those days that happened where we were fortunate enough to win. But Illinois went on and won the championship with uh, Gravowski and and uh, Butkovich and great players. And he had a great, great team. That was uh, really something for him. That was 1963, the year before we took our team to the Rose Bowl in 64. Illinois went in 63, and, and we went in 64. Playing in the 64, 65 rows. Was that your best Michigan team, do you think? Yeah. Yeah, that was the best Michigan team we, I had. It was a good one. And we, we, we really fit together nicely. You had some great players on those teams. One of them was what, Dan Deardorff? Will Deardorff and Tom Mack and, um, Jim Mandich and Rick Volk. Uh, those were great players, and uh, they all went into the pros and outstanding players. So, is is there one player that you says this this was the the best one I ever coached? I think it'd be hard to determine that. Uh, uh, Rick Volk, who played uh, for us as a defensive halfback, he could have played offense too. He went with Baltimore <clears throat> and uh, Tom Mack. Played for uh, Los Angeles Rams. Uh, he was a great player. Uh, Bill Yearby went with Detroit, and, and uh, of course Deardorff was a great player. Yeah, outstanding uh, young men. Away from the football season, did the uh, head coaches get along, or did they socialize, or, or well, they just... uh, to some degree? Of course, I was very close to Pete Elliott. <laughs> Uh, but, um, well, at the conference meetings and, and even NCA meetings, uh, we did a lot of things together. One of my better friends was Duffy Doherty at Michigan State. And um, I, I think some of the Michigan people didn't like that because they, you know, you're supposed to hate Duffy Doherty at Michigan. <laughs> I couldn't do that. He was a great friend. Uh, but, no, I knew that it coaches pretty well, and, and, of course, I was closest to Pete Elliott. What about Alex Agassi? He was at Northwestern for a while. Who? Alex Agassi. Oh, yeah. Well, Alex and I played together, and we were very close. And John Pont also uh, at Northwestern and, and Indiana. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Alex was a great friend. When 
Don Canham came in as athletic director. Could you sort of see the the writing on the wall as far as where your career was headed at Michigan? No, no, it didn't bother me a bit. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, the, the, whether you are leading up the question whether or not I was fired, I wasn't. The point at uh, Michigan was that after the last season that I coached in, in '68. Uh, I had made the decision myself to step down because I knew that there was an opening as associate athletic director at the University of Michigan, and Don Canham had never filled that job. So after the season was over with, I went in to talk with Don about that job and and uh, retiring into that position. And I asked him, if I wanted to do that, would that job be open to me? And he said, yes. And so I thought about it, oh, four or five days after, on Thanksgiving and came back and said, Don, I'll take that job. And I give Bo Schumbecker credit, though, when he gave you the game ball after that 69 Ohio State game. Yeah, well, Bo was a great fan. I uh, I was involved with the hiring of Bo just I can't. I'm hired him, of course, but I was involved with that, and and uh, Bo was a good friend and a great coach. He did a great job. You know, speaking of hiring, you moved on to the University of Iowa as athletic director, where you got to hire an awful lot of very successful coaches. You know, well, we we had at one time pretty good staff. Uh, of course, Hayden Fry and football and. And Tom Davis and Lou Olson, both in basketball, and Dan Gable in wrestling, and uh, Dwayne Banks in baseball. We we had some really good coaches, and, and that was uh, centered right in the uh, I can't remember the years, but in the seventies, I think it was. Um, when you hired a coach, they didn't go anywhere. 80. What? When you hired a coach, they were there for good. You didn't have to fire them; they stayed there. Well, we hope so. <laughs> that that was the whole purpose of it, but uh, didn't always work out that way. I I slipped up on a couple of them once in a while. Because <laughs> in uh, basketball, you went from Lou Olson to Dr. Tom Davis, and you had Hayden Fry there pretty much your whole time. Yeah, yeah, and Dan Gable was there the whole time, right. pretty much. And uh, you know, wrestling is a big sport in Iowa. <laughs> Extremely so, yeah. yeah. What, what's the key to being a successful athletic director? Some are very hands-on. Some are, you know, let the coaches do what the coaches have to do. I think if you uh, – I, who knows the answer to it? Because some people are successful not doing anything, and some people are hands-on. Uh, I was never what you'd call a hands-on athletic director. Uh, I worked with the coach to help him succeed in whatever way he felt he had to go to to succeed and and, uh, let him do the coaching. He was the coach of the team. He's the one that ran it, and uh, I always supported him. Of course, you know, you wouldn't support him if he did something that was out of the ordinary, but um, that didn't happen very often. And, and so I, I just I felt that they were the boss of their uh, organization, and <clears throat> I wanted to help him win. Is there a coach you think was your best hire? 
Well, I can only say this, that the coach that made the biggest difference, obviously, was Hayden Fry, because football was struggling until we got Hayden Fry. And when he came, why football started to be uh, pretty good at and very good at, at Iowa. Uh, basketball had always been pretty good, so with Olson and Davis, uh, that kind of just followed the pattern. And of course, wrestling was the same thing. But the biggest, the biggest difference was Hayden Fry. How did you and your brother end up on What's My Line in 1961? <laughs> I can't tell you why or who, but somebody called and asked if we wanted to go on, and we said, sure. <laughs> that was a fun show. Was there any temptation to hire your brother as head coach? Everything, what? Was there any temptation to hire your brother as head coach at Iowa? Oh, no. No, no, we we never had any problems. and No, no confrontation, no problems at all. No, but did you ever think about hiring him as your coach? Oh, Pete? Yes. Well, not after he, you mean after he left Illinois? Yes. Right. Well, uh, I'll tell you the truth. When I hired Hayden Fry, the per- person I called was Pete Elliott down in Florida. He was associate athletic director down there with Ernie McCoy at Miami of Florida. And I called him to ask him, who he felt was the one of the better coaches that uh, might be good for Iowa, and he he immediately said Hayden Fry, and I said, well, why? And he said, well, I interviewed him last year, and we won him at Miami, but we couldn't hire him, and uh, and I said, okay, thank you. <laughs> I called Hayden Fry, and didn't happen very fast, but uh, pretty quick. <laughs> when you look at college football today. And, and, you know, the millions of dollars and all the uh, media exposure, and you, you contrast that to college football when you started out in it, what, what goes through your mind? Well, it's changed a lot, uh, obviously. What it, what it really centers around now is more entertainment than just uh, participation. When I was in school and going to school and so forth and coaching, it was a, an activity for student athletes. And we recruited, sure, but the, the promotion of it and the, the uh, television has made a big, big difference in the whole thing because not only of exposure and, and to the millions of people, but also the money involved. And it seemed to be that money is the big driving force in this day and age, and and that's what's uh, making it go. And so it's turned into more entertainment, than, and it's still a great, great sport. Don't get me wrong. It's a great sport. But entertainment is the, uh, the key to what's going on, and uh, that changes the game a little bit. So what Big Ten team do you root for, Michigan, Iowa? I root for Iowa. <laughs> and I'll root for Michigan when they don't play Iowa. <laughs> but uh, no, I uh, I actually I'm I really root for Big Ten schools. Pete Elliott coached at uh, Illinois, and I coached at uh, Michigan and Iowa, and I played at Purdue and Michigan. And my father 
coached at Northwestern. He coached basketball and foot. He was a line coach for Charlie Bachman way back in the 30s. For at Northwestern, he was at medical school there. So I really have to say I've got quite a Iowa back, uh, the Big Ten background, and I'm all for the Big Ten always. <laughs> How, how gratifying do you think it was for your dad to to have two sons coaching on such a level? Because I, well, I have the feeling if if he could have, he probably would have been a coach rather than than a, than a doctor. No, he wanted to be a doctor, but and really? he used his head. He was smart. He, don't ever let your don't ever let your son or your become a coach when he can become a doctor. <laughs> anyway. Uh, I think he felt quite uh, proud about it. Uh, unfortunately, he never saw uh, us play against each other. He w- had a, had a coronary and uh, was not able to go to football games. And he passed away uh, about the time that I came to uh, to Iowa as an assistant coach. So, how did your son get into coaching? If you don't let your son get into coaching. Well, that just that just happened. I I didn't tell him what to do, <laughs> and uh, but he he has really enjoyed it, and he's 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 at Notre Dame now. I don't know if you knew that. No, he's an assistant coach at Notre Dame, and with the defense works for the defense, and he he loves it there. He thinks it's a great school, and certainly it it sure is. It's a Outstanding institution, and they obviously had great football programs. So occasionally you might root for the Fighting Irish? Well, I've been over there twice this year. (laughs) (laughs) I saw them play against Southern Cal and uh, against Oklahoma. So you can see that I have a soft spot in my heart for the the Irish. So do you share stories with Eric Parsegian? I, you know, I really haven't talked there uh, since uh, Bob went over there as coach. I, I know Era very well. We are good friends and played a lot of golf together. And he was one of the coaches, you know, in the Big Ten, and then to Ed Notre Dame that I coached at the same time he did. And um, he was he was a great coach. He really was an outstanding person, a great coach, and I admire him very much. But he's a good friend. I haven't had a chance to talk to him. Okay, that does it for another edition of Sports and Torts. I'd like to thank my co-host, David Spada. Thank you, sir. Another great show. No question about it. I'd like to thank Danny Allen and Bump Elliott. And I'd like to thank the folks out there in cyberspace for taking in Sports and Torts and TalkZone.com. Without you, we'd just be talking uh, to ourselves. Which we do at home sometimes. <laughs> well, that's talking to ourselves, but yeah. Anyway. Thanks to everybody, and tune in again next week for Sports and Torts on TalkZone.com.